Welcome to Ability Stories Podcast, where we discuss the successes, challenges, and stories of people with disabilities. I'm your host, Tara Briggs. To contact me, please send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. Welcome to Ability Stories. I'm Tara Briggs, and I'm sitting here in my old work in Vicki Hathaway's classroom, and we have Anna, say hi. Hello. And Anna's got Ariana, and we have Kara, say hi. Hello. And we've got Vicki, say hi. Hi. And we've got Barbie, say hi. Hello. And we've got Tyler, in case he's interested in talking, say hi. Hello. And <laughs> now you all realize this is going on the internet, I'm not editing. Um, so... So uh, let's see, there's five of us in here and four of us are stay-at-home moms. And so let's take just a second, everybody say just a little bit about yourself as a mom. Four of us are stay-at-home moms. No, no, we're not stay-at-home moms. Four of us are moms. <laughs> I'm not at home. There's five of there's us five that are moms. There's five of us that are moms. Yeah, five of us. Okay. Yes. All right, Vicki, let's start with you. You've worked here at the center for 45 years today, right? Yes. Yeah. And she's fixed a lot of people's knitting problems, including mine. <laughs> I've taught everything here but shop. And how many kids do you have? Two. And, and five grandsons. And a great-granddaughter. And and then next to me is Kara, who who was one of the people that stole my job. She stole the braille teaching <laughs> job. <laughs> Barbie's well. the other thief in the room. <laughs> Up, so. so talk a little bit about you as a mom. How many kids do you have? Okay, so I have six children, and I have four grandchildren, and I have been a, as you mentioned at the beginning, I have been a stay-at-home mom until uh, about two and a half years ago. 2014, when you took my Braille teaching job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but you got a baby out of it, yeah. so. <laughs> Two babies out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And we have Barbie is across from me. She's another person who took my job. She teaches yeah. the cooking class. I do. <laughs> and just say a little bit about yourself so as a mom. So I have four children. My oldest is 24. Then I have a 17-year-old and a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. So right now it's teenage heaven at my house. Oh. Or heck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have Anna. And Anna stopped by, so we asked her to join us. Anna is the president of the Utah Council of the Blind and also a mom. So how many kids do you have? I have four kids. Talk loud so we make sure we get you. Awesome. I have four kids. Um, 20, 18... 13 and 6. And everybody here, everybody's vision ranges what? From a, a decent amount to to nothing, right? Is that, is that accurate? I don't know what we'd call fair. a decent no, amount. Well, Karen and Anna, do you guys read large print? At all? Not if I can help it, no. I don't. <laughs> Anna, what about but, you? Yes, I do read large okay. print. You guys so. have a decent amount. <laughs> Um, no, so let's that. just start with. Those of us have all. Yeah, and then and then. So let's just start with whoever wants to just jump in, but as you guys became moms, what were some of your big concerns related to being blind? Transportation. Transportation. Amen, sister. Who else? Reading. Reading, like reading your kids' books, or what uh -huh. do you mean? 
Because when my kids were little, they didn't have near what they have available today. Mm. They didn't. They had a few twin vision books, but nothing compared to what they have now. What about what about you, Anna and Kara, and well, everybody else on the panel? <laughs> well, as far as reading goes, I was a little bit concerned about how I would help them with their homework <coughs> and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, that was that was a concern. But things work themselves out. I worried about. Um, whether the other moms would let their kids come play at my house. Yeah, I worry about that too. <laughs> and, and it happened a little bit, but not as much as my imagination. <laughs> I think my imagination created more worry than actual events did. But What about you, Anna? I'm definitely worried, out, uh, worried about and, um, my disability enabling my children's success. You know, a lot of kids... A lot of our world is letting their, letting your children be involved in sports or in you know, whatever extracurricular activities they want to be in, or me volunteering at the school. And how was I going to get them to be able to participate in those life activities? And how was I going to be involved in that? Yeah, yeah, sure. I I I worry about that too. See, I my kids are two and four months so I'm partly being selfish in doing this podcast because I get advice from people that have been there longer than I have um did how did everybody's family react if anybody wants were they supportive or to about your becoming a parent oh becoming a parent yeah anybody want to anyone want to jump in I know as far as me um even just right from the get-go um my in-laws mm-hmm um, pulled my husband aside and really said that they didn't think it was a great idea for him to marry me because I was going to be such a hardship on him. And so from the get go, I was like proving them that that was so wrong, you know? So I know that I wanted to, I needed to be the best that I could be and was that tiring because I think I think that's something that we experience as people with disabilities is like you're always trying to prove yourself and sometimes it just gets old (laughs) well I think that like Anna was saying you know with the the her her in-laws my parents were fine they were so excited about me having you know I was having kids and all that but I do remember times where let's say we were eating dinner at my parents' house or something like that, and we had a bunch of little kids, I know there were times when it was hard on my husband because my dad would say something like, hey, to my husband, hey, you you need to take care of, you know, kind of putting more of a burden on him when Mm -hmm. I would have been perfectly fine to take care of whatever it was. And so I feel like sometimes it was... A burden on him when it didn't need to be mm-hmm. yeah. and that just that kind of attitude of you know she's she, go help her that type of thing when actually it was just a normal you know and of course of course helping me was a good thing I'm not saying I don't need any help of course you d- you help each other out but it, it there were times when it really wasn't it was like, oh, she she can't really handle it you need to go help her out why aren't you helping her when he was it was just a perfectly normal situation where he knew I, I had it. 
Actually, yeah, fine, I think you know? I think there's this really simple concept that I wish the whole planet would get. If you run across somebody with a disability, say, do you need help? And if they say yes, then say, how can I help? Two really simple <laughs> questions that we'd be all a lot happier if everybody would figure that out. Because, I mean, Barbie, you've had people try and pick you up and put you on the train. Yes, I have. So. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> That's what I get for being vertically impaired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you and Vicky, how old, how short are you guys? How tall are you guys? <laughs> short or tall? <laughs> I, I'm really tall. I'm four eleven and three quarters. Vicky, how tall are you? About four eight and a half. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what about what about school? Like, yes. and Ari's here. <laughs> My four-month-old is here. What about school, guys? How did how did school end up working out? You know, it depended on the teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that some teachers were really, really great to work with me. I think I scared a teacher once because I sent a note that explained, hey, if you will tell me in an email what the homework is, I won't have to have my little kindergartner go, Mommy, it says D-R-A-W space, T-H-R-E-E space. Mommy, I don't know this word, this letter. Can I draw it on your head? You know, and I wrote this note to the teacher that explained the, the concept of how we have to do homework. Mm-hmm. I said, if you will send me a blurb in an email that says draw three trees, or draw three triangles, you know, or whatever right. it is that the child is supposed to do, then I can spend a lot more time teaching and a lot less time decoding. Right. And she saw this huge long email and she thought, the first thing she thought when she saw that print was that there was this irate mother just about ready to scream at her. <laughs> and she, so, but most of the teachers were amazing to me to work with once they realized that I, I really could do what I could do and I was allowed to volunteer in the classroom and I was allowed to come in but at first they were very hesitant and I I felt like I had to make a name for myself and if I had moved around a lot I think that it wouldn't have worked but because I stayed put in elementary I made a name for myself as somebody who was in there and and available and known. Yeah. But it took time. Vicki, I remember, oh go ahead. You remember what? I remember talking uh, with you about like carpools and well, carpools were murder. Yeah, talk talk hard. a little bit about that. And when I finally, I never could get one because they wanted you to take your turn, even though I offered to pay for the carpool. They didn't want me because I had two kids and one person in the carpool had only one and the other one had two, but they were all going the same place and they said, "No, it wouldn't be fair because you got two and they've only got one." And when I finally got in a carpool, one of the kids and my daughter got in an argument, and they wouldn't tell me until it was almost so escalated there wasn't any return from it. Mm. Because they wouldn't tell me because they didn't want my other daughter to walk. And so I think they have to be honest, and the line of communication has to be there. And if you don't know, because I worked all the time, that I was raising my kids when they were little, and they weren't the emails that there are now, because my kids are older, and um, emails were just coming out when they were in junior high, and stuff like that, and so um, I didn't have that when they were little. Fortunately, my husband was really good to help them with the homework, 
and or to in, be involved anyway. I helped as much as he did, but he had to be involved, excuse me. Vicky is getting over a sinus infection. <laughs> so um, he had to be involved a certain amount because uh, I couldn't get my oldest one to read. So talk anyway, about um, I will when I get back. <laughs> talk about you guys. Um, I remember shortly when we had Marie just shortly after several people said, "Oh man, she is gonna take advantage of you because you can't see." Any, any thoughts on that? Well, I got the opposite. Oh, your kids yeah. are special. They're gonna know just how to handle you because you can't see. I'm like, no, they're going to do everything that normal children do because that's what my brother. I was lucky and I worked at a daycare mm-hmm. um, with my mom. And we and I had I was the oldest of eight. And I was put in charge a lot of kids. <laughs> I purposely set up a 4-H group because I had a visually handicapped daughter, and I wanted them to know that she could do what they could do. She was mainstreamed all the way through school, so they knew her, but she wasn't necessarily included in their social activities. And uh, I wanted them to know that they could do that. And so one day, she was doing something, I forget what exactly, and I told her to quit, and she didn't. So I says, if you don't quit that, I'm going to send you to your room. And she still didn't quit, and so I send her to her room, and all of a sudden I just says, and don't stick your tongue out at me. And ten other little girls says, how did you know? (laughs) (laughs) It was just funny. That is funny. Um, So talk about, you guys, um, well, Vicki, you, you said this, and I want to get everybody's thoughts on it, and I'm going to slaughter your quote, so correct me. But you talked about um, a scenario where you have two kids, they've been playing outside, they have dirt on their face. The one kid has dirt on their face because they've been, been playing outside. The other kid has dirt on their face because their, mind, their mom is blind. My grandmother was that way. She would be really upset if my daughter got dirty because she was playing outside. But my daughter's, my sister's kids could play outside and come in. Oh, you need a, you've got a dirty face. But mine was because I couldn't see her. Yeah, well, I think I think that's something that we have to deal with as people with disabilities, as society's low expectations, and it becomes becomes a challenge, and it becomes a big problem when you're a parent. I think you know because you want your kid to fit in and and be normal, and you wanted to be tr- as a parent, you want to be treated like everybody else. Um. Talk about anybody who wants to pitch in. Um, well, Barbie, I was going to get back to you really quick. And which one of the things you did that I want you to talk about is is going on field trips. Because I remember you're telling me one time how that went through the year. Yeah, um, and I hope I remember what I told you. Because <laughs> there's a lot of years of field trips. But um, there, was, there was one year where the teacher did not want me to go on the field trip. She was very concerned. And, and I... I caught on to it she called me up and she's now we're gonna be doing about a mile's worth of walking are you sure you're gonna be able to handle that and I'm like well yeah my legs work just fine it's gonna be fun and I went and and you know she it, it seemed like every time she just did not want me to go and um so she would actually have an extra mother go that she mm-hmm. needed and I got and I knew there was an extra mom because she would put me in the group with an extra you know, 
All the groups had two moms and seven kids, and my group had six kids and three moms. I'm like, um, really? <laughs> so, but by the end of the year, um, I noticed that she ran out of moms who were willing to go, and, and I was willing to go because I could go. And she seemed to be okay with it, but it, I noticed that the following years that the other teachers responded very differently, that that was just that particular teacher. And, and it just depended really on the teacher and how they would respond. Some teachers just got it, and they said, yeah, we'd love to have you come. And other teachers just, oh, really? Maybe you better not come to this one. But talk about talk about the strategy, because you had a, I mean, you, you know, I'll talk about how you do manage as a totally blind woman to well, keep track of six you know, children. I, well, what I did is, um, and, and I, like I said, you know, maybe there was two moms and seven kids, and usually the two moms' children were among the seven. And, you know, I just would know their names and I would talk to them and I would interact with them and I would sit by them and we would talk about stuff and I would get to know them. And, and if they were kids that came to my house, great. If they weren't, then I got to know them and I'd ask questions and we were noisy. We got told to be quiet by the bus driver a couple of times. <laughs> but, but it was my way of getting them to open up so I would recognize their voices. And then when we get off the bus, I would say, okay, when I call your name, I want you to answer. If you're too far away to hear my, hear my voice, you're too far away. And, and I did a lot of hand-holding with my own kids. And then the other kids would want to be on my other side. And, and we, just, we just hung out and I would just be with them. And I would call their names a lot. Okay, Tara, where are you? Tyler, okay, you're over there, you're good. Okay, right. you know, and that's how it would go. Yeah, well, I, I love that because I think um, vision is such a prominent sense that everybody has. And when you don't have it, people just can't yeah. conceive how you could possibly function. And I would make them describe what they were seeing. And the teachers loved that. Because all of a sudden, the kids are having to be... You know, instead of just walking around and, and daydreaming or whatever kids do when they're really not very interested in seeing <laughs> right. Dinosaur Park or whatever it is, now they have to tell me what they're seeing. And so all of a sudden it was this dialogue of these kids trying to explain what it was that was out there in the museum or out there in the park or out there. And I think that, that the teachers liked the fact that these kids were actually involved in what was happening rather than just hurting around. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, instead sure. of just hurting them, these kids were actually trying to describe it to me, helped them to pay better attention to what they were seeing. Talk about, um, talk about anybody who wants to pitch in, talk about yeah. the teenage years. I think. Um, <laughs> two o'clock groundings? Or two o'clock groundings uh, turning into two o'clock groundings. <laughs> like, what is it, like, what is that like as a blind parent? Like, um, you know, sometimes teenagers are embarrassed by your parents, no matter what. <laughs> um, you have to really be in tune with your kids. It, and I don't mean verbally. You just have to be in tune with their likes, their dislikes, their friends, who they're running around with. You have to be in constant communication with their teachers. You have to be in, you have to set rules and you have to expect them to obey. And if you have a sighted spouse and you're blind, you have to set the rules together. And what you expect, your spouse has to expect. What and if, oh, go ahead. For instance, when my oldest one was two, 
she liked to run from me and he was making it a game and I said uh uh we couldn't make that a game when I wanted her to come she had to come so he had to expect her to come when he called her he couldn't run after her and make it into a game Marie likes to run <laughs> from me too and I, I had to tell him I can catch her eventually but when I do I'm gonna be red-hot mad you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not gonna be a happy camper and so you can't do that to me <coughs> we have to work together <coughs> and make it work and that's true with the teenager and so when they're little when I talk to new parents and I just told my grandson who had a new baby this the other day there are things you have to do as a parent and I believe any parent has to do this you have to be loving but firm you have to set your boundaries and your limits. You have to follow through and you never threaten what you cannot or will not carry out. And you have to be consistent. And that goes for both parents. It can't go for just one and not the other. Because kids will pit parents against each other. Yeah, we have we haven't experienced that, but I'm sure we I'm sure we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not really experience. a blind thing. It's just Sorry, it's not do it. just a blind yeah. thing, mm -hmm. but it's more important when you are mm -hmm. one's blind and one isn't, and right. that's true with teenagers. You have to have a constant open communication line with your teenager. And that's something that I I think that is we in the day and age that we live in right now, it's easier for us to have that communication, that constant communication. I'm texting my daughter mm -hmm. while she's at school, mm -hmm. you know, and she can, if she has any concerns or whatever, we get to see what they're posting on social media. We get to see, you know, and that, a lot of times that's their, that's how they're feeling. And so, you know, if we're involved in, in that, I think it's easier now. This is harder times, but I think it's easier now for us to have that. Because you can look at social media yeah. and you can see what yeah. they're mm -hmm. saying to their yeah. friends. And, and you can tell your your uh, friends to look at their social media, too. Like, yeah. help me out. Tell me what these pictures are that my daughter is posting. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's... I, it's fun. I love being a mom of teenagers. I feel like for me, um, it, so my, my children are, my youngest is 18 and my oldest is 30. Um, but I feel like for me it was really important to know their friends. And mm -hmm. So we had their friends over all the time from the time they were little. And I was okay with my kids you know, going to other kids' houses and things like that. But I loved getting to know them because I, a lot of times at first – the kids would be, you know, they didn't know, they weren't sure about talking to me, and you know, maybe they weren't quite sure. But as soon as I had them over, we had them over, and they would hang out, and then, you know, they'd get to know me. Um, I've gotten to know my kids' friends really well over the years, and it's been a, a bit, been a good thing. And especially, it, I think it's good anyway, and especially being a blind parent, I think that that's really I important. I think it's harder when you work, though, because yes. I didn't want a house full of kids when I wasn't. Home. Well, I know, and I was in a different situation on that, and but yeah, I didn't want my kids in other people's houses if their parents were at home. Yeah, yeah. and so it made it harder in that respect. 
and when I was home, they could have their friends over. I didn't have any problems with that. But one of the problems I had, grounding never worked for me because most of the time they didn't have friends over until I got home from work, and then it's dinner time, and then it's homework time, and not everybody wants me over to their house visiting, and not everybody wants them over there because their husbands are home, it's their dinner time, it's their homework time, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff, and so it made it much harder that way. What, um, you know, I mean, one thing I think that, we've talked a little bit about it, but if anybody wants to add, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, but, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges that we have as people with disabilities is just facing rejection, and how did that, how did you guys work through that as parents? Does that make sense? Rejection by rejection other... By rejection by other parents who don't want you to deal, babysit their kids. Rejection by parents who don't want their kids to play with your kids because you're blind. Rejection by the teacher who didn't want you anywhere on the field trip because how can you manage? You talked about it a little bit, Barbie, how you yeah. just, I'm going anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of have a reputation of being stubborn and obnoxiously independent. And, and people say it and they think they're complimenting me, but... At first, they don't feel that way sometimes when I reject their wanting to shove me into some kind of proverbial and physical corner so that they can get on with the business of living life and let me watch the world go around as a blind person is, like, really boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I find that I tend to ignore that kind of a person. I, I tend to pick my friends. I don't... I, if I get rejected too many times, I just go on to find another friend. And because of that, I probably haven't made as many friends as I could. I tend to cut off my nose to spite my face yeah. because I get tired of fighting it. And if they won't let me help and, and in return or reciprocate, then I don't want to be on the taking end only. And I'll just not do something. I just, my kids won't be involved if that's the case. If I have to beg for rides for them every time, I find myself not doing it. Yeah. Kara, what do you think? Um, I feel like for me, a lot of times, instead of maybe rejection, well, I guess a one thing I thought of was when I would get the "You are so amazing" type oh, of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah! So just want to punch people. In essence, what that did was um, put my blindness before me, before who I really am, which, in a way, to me is kind of a rejection. Yeah, I agree. Because oh, you know, you changed that diaper. That was so amazing, and. And I don't, and I don't really mean to be sarcastic. And I know a lot of times it's not meant; it's really not necessarily meant to be rejecting or anything. But like Barbie said, I mean, if that if that happened too many times with somebody, and I really couldn't help them understand, I just would kind of pull away from that person. And there are lots of other, you know, so lots of other people I could be friends with, and because it, it, it's just if it becomes too patronizing, but I'm totally willing to be okay with thing you know things and but you know sometimes i just thought well i don't want that type of thing in my life so yeah how do how, how do we deal with that i, I remember um 
Vicky, you, you knit, and you taught me to knit, and I experienced what you've experienced is I'd be knitting at a doctor's office and mm-hmm. I can't do that and I can mm-hmm. see and you're just like I knit with my fingers people hello yeah. I'm not but driving it to the store it's not as if seeing makes it so you could do everything right mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's yeah that's, that's the way it's that not what makes it so that you can do every other thing well but even the way that for me put, to teach not just with my kids but even for me to offer to teach neighbors to knit or even colleagues to knit they they go to somebody sided before they'll come to me and i think oh well i mean there's nothing i can do about it yeah i don't know what to do about it i don't know how to do anything about it i just say okay that's what you want so what do you do find some blind people person to vent to because it's so painful (laughs) not always but i know that and when people ask you if oh just call me if you need help so one day i called my sister-in-law i didn't need her to drive miles for me I didn't need her to drive me anywhere. I needed her to go to the store and pick up a yard of fabric because I knew the bolt was very low and I needed the piece of fabric. And she lived behind the store Mm -hmm. it was at. I mean, it wasn't like she had to go 10 miles or even five miles. I just needed her to go over there and pick up that fabric. Then we'd come over when my husband had time off work, got off work and pick it up. But I couldn't. I couldn't take a chance and wait till the weekend when he was off work to do that because I needed, it was an order, I was making it to sell, I needed the piece of fabric. Oh, I don't have time. I, did I ask her again? Never. Yeah. I'll help you anytime, but when you ask, they have never time to do it. Yeah, and when my son had, he got hurt, and I had done enough different medical things to recognize that this was not a band-aid this was stitches and I knew that he was going to need to go to the doctors and it was of course wouldn't you know it Halloween and it was before cell phones and so I had a list of all these people who had that same call me anytime I'm happy to help you I called literally 23 people and not a single one of them answered, but those, it, well, and I got to the 24th, and she answered, but she said, Barbie, I can't. I have this, and this, and this, and this, and this. I know you're in this situation. Why do you call, you know, person three on your list? And I'm thinking, I already called that person. And finally, it ended up being that the very first, I got back to the end of my list, and not a single person answered. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be a 911 moment for stitches. And it's going to cost me an arm and a leg, you know, and, and I should have had, we did not have cabs available in where I lived at that time. We do now, but we didn't at that time. And so that wasn't an option. And thank goodness, I just on a whim called the first person on the list back to see if maybe they got home and they did. Mm. And, and they were able to help me. And I was hurt, devastated absolutely devastated nobody likes me everybody will everybody says they help they must have seen me on caller id and ran away (laughs) and then it dawned on me after a while that no they're just busy they're not sitting in their living room just begging and pleading for barbie to call right (laughs) (laughs) it's not about me this is about them living a busy night 1990s at the time life and they don't have time and they have desire but they really nobody means it when they say 
I'll call me anytime. They just want to mean it. Right. That's yeah. that's really well. That's how I feel, and I find myself not feeling comfortable yeah. to call people. I don't either. I don't like to ask, and if I get turned down too many times, I don't call. Or I hate it when they say yes and then complain about it to their friends. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's I would funny. much rather have a no than a reluctant yes. My sister calls me just before Christmas. Do you need to go shopping or anything? And I will tell her no, because when I took her up on it when my kids were little, I told I took her up on it. She complained the whole time that she was shopping with me yeah. because, oh, Dad would call me the last minute to do his shopping. I hate shopping. I don't like to shop. I don't like this shopping. <laughs> well, then why did you offer? You know, I wanted to say that. Yeah. So I will never take her up on her shopping now for anymore because I know she doesn't like to shop. And it was not fun to go with her. Yeah, well, I, I reluctant yeses are just And that's the worst. another thing, Christmas shopping for my kids. I mean, every year, I hope this year is different because I've already decided I'm going to Disney World. But every year, I have at least one pity party day. Yeah. Every holiday that I can't just go buy my kids a Christmas present. Hmm. That I have to, it has to be a whole affair of get somebody to go with me and then, you know, hope like and pray that they can find what I'm looking for. You know, now with the internet, it's a lot Online easier. Online is nice. Well, and I don't <laughs> always know what I'm looking for. I'm a shopper. I like to go look. And if I find something at one store, I think, well, it's not quite what I want. Maybe I can find what I want at another store. <laughs> right. And then I end up at the first one. Right. And I'm, I'm a shopper that way. I'm a looker that way. And so... A lot of times we'd have my kids up, and we'd all be over at Shopco's late at night because that's they were open late, yep. and I'd be doing Christmas shopping or, you know, very little. Or I'd tell my husband what to get, and he'd pick it up. Or the kids would be with us, and we tried to hide it. Or, you know, <laughs> um, that was... Yep. Do, do you guys think, um, do you think that blindness is an asset to parenting at all? something that surprised me and with all the political unrest that's going on in the world he said mom you taught me not to judge people by how they look <laughs> and he says I know that you don't think that's a big deal he's like I didn't think it was a big deal but now that I live somewhere outside away from you on the east coast he's like I'm amazed at how many people judge by how that how people look before they get to know a person he's like I never realized that that was normal yeah My yeah it is it see, isn't it isn't in our world <laughs> <laughs> but he's like I just that's how you raised me and he's like mom even to this day I don't see people the same as my friends see them. The first thing they see is the color skin and what car they're driving and what dress they're wearing, what clothes they're wearing. He's like, first thing I notice is how they treat each other. Yeah. Because that's how you raised me. That would probably be the biggest asset. What do you think, Kara? I'm trying to think of another asset. Do it. I might have to think a little bit. I think, um, I think that uh, our kids have the potential to learn compassion. Um, and, yeah, obviously not to judge people, but, but to have compassion for different people and their different situations. 
I hope. I hope that's one thing our children learn. And each child is so different. And the way that they respond to it, and it's who they are. Yeah, yeah. You know, my, I have one son, that, you know, the one that I just talked about, that, you know, he's responded. Now that he meets blind people, he goes out of his way to say, hey, do you need a ride? Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, yeah, they're not my best friend. I don't, I don't think they're that great of a friendship going on here, but I'll always offer a ride. Because he's like, I know that's what he needs. Yeah. Whereas, you know, he's like, other people are like, are you sure? Because then you're going to have to help him get in. He's like, no, I'm not. Right. If he asks for it, I guess. But, you know, and. and so what if he asks for it? And if he right. asks for it, is so that So what really, if he needs it? Is that, is that a horrible thing? Is there something wrong with that? And, and, and then I have my other daughter who, you know, she sees how people see me and stare at me. And she's like, Mom just put away your cane and pretend you're not blind today because I don't want to deal with people staring. You know, mm. She's a teenager and she'll grow out of it. But I, she's the only one that's had that. So each child is so different in how they respond to it. My daughter was playing outside one day, my oldest one, and we had one little neighbor girl that would just, usually kids will let it go if you explain what's going on with them or to them. And one just would not let go of it. Would not. And she'd come over and you're blind in one eye, huh? And, uh, yeah. And one day she was playing with my oldest daughter outside, and she said, your mom's blind in one eye. And my daughter says, yeah, she's blind in the other one, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, awesome. And then they brought my youngest daughter into it, but she just refused to let go of it. And I've never had an experience like that. And I just, sometimes you just want to crawl away, <laughs> you know, or you want to hide. But you can't, and life goes on but because I've worked I didn't get to know my neighbors really well either and that makes a big difference because yeah. I've worked ever since my kids were little I'm mm-hmm. seeing that now that I've moved because I've only worked here two years and I moved just two months ago and I don't know my neighbors the way I expected I would because I was a stay-at-home mom for 25 years well you're busy and by and the time I'm you get home there you get home I, at night and and I their, remember, their okay. spouses are home, and they're yeah. doing dinner. And, they're and they've got their kids going to soccer and gymnastics and guitar lessons and piano and scouts and yeah. you, know, you name it. They're going there. And and I do find that that's a, a challenge because people don't know me. They don't know who I am. They don't know what I'm capable of. Well, to this day, I don't know, all my, na- I don't know my neighbors well, and I would never ask them for, for help because of that. I, I remember, Barbie, when we were talking about why you um, went back to work, and you told me this really, really poignant story, um, that you talked about, um, you know, being at Walmart, and you'd see a bunch of, you know, people from your church, yeah, big group of stay-at-home moms from your church, hanging out at Walmart, but nobody was inviting you. Yeah, and, and that, I... I when it happened the first time, I just thought, well, that's cool. You know, whatever. They went without me. And it happened the second time, and I thought, well, geez, the same people, and I'm still not included. And I thought they were all people who were my friends. These were people that included yeah. me and other things. And, and I caught my feelings hurt and because I was bored and lonely. My kids are now all in, in late elementary and junior high and high school. And so it wasn't 
this field trip, go and help kids read at the school kind of experience anymore. The, the teachers are, are begging parents to please don't come anymore because they need to grow up. And they didn't want sighted parents there, so they sure as heck didn't want me there either. Oof. And I didn't have anything to do. And, and I wanted to be busy and anxiously doing things. I don't like to sit around and do nothing. And I realized I just need to, I started getting mad at the walls because they wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm either certifiably going to lose my mind and go insane, or I need to make a change and I need to do something about it. And, and it was something I had never planned to do. I was gonna be the stay at home mom because I really feel strongly that I wanted to raise my kids. I worked in daycares all through college, and I wanted to be the one to raise my kids. And, you know, not, not that that's right or wrong, it's just what I wanted. Yeah, sure. And yet I made that choice now to let my kids raise themselves after school and get themselves to school. And it's a challenge. You know, no, no matter what you do, if you stay home, it's a challenge. If you work, it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've experienced that too. I, I mean, days, as Tyler can tell you, days when I get out and go and do something, and um, I'm good and happy. And days when I see, been home like a few it, days, I just, I, I start to go crazy. And if you can drive, you can. You yeah, know, it kind of goes back to transportation. Oh, yeah. I have friends who would say to me, well, you know, I've been in the house all day, and so I was so glad when my husband came home. I just, I, he came home. I said, dinner's in the oven. Give me the keys. I'm going. And they leave. Right. I'm leaving. Can't I need that. a break. And, and I couldn't do that because it's yep. dark and cold and snowy, and, you know, there's no bus that's going to take me where I want to go. Yeah. And so yep. I was stuck at home. Yeah, I remember talking to my friend about that and she's like, Oh, and I was so um get so, you know, ready to get out of the house and my husband was got home and I was just walking around took the car and was walking around the grocery store and How would it be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. How would it be? <laughs> and she, she's complaining yeah. that she only has the grocery store to go to and I'm like, like At least you can go to the, the store. store. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? I agree. So many times we we just don't go any place alone. And mm -hmm. I don't want to go shopping the mall alone. It's more fun with somebody else. That's not the yeah. point. The point is I want to get out and away from everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know. To be able to just drive your car. I remember I interviewed um, Ray and talking about doing woodworking, and he talked about losing his sight, and he said, you know, it's the driving that I miss most more than just more than the seeing it's the driving and he said you know you want to go and buy ice get an ice cream cone and when you're sighted you hop in the car and when you mm -hmm. can't see <laughs> it ends up being a $20 ice cream cone <laughs> and it's two hour $20 ice cream cone to get there well, when get my back. kids were little my husband worked at night and so I'd get home from work and I couldn't take him anywhere there was nothing yeah yeah, yeah. unless somebody came and got us and that didn't happen. My family lived in, in, at that point, lived in Alpine, and both of my siblings did, and we didn't ever do anything with my husband's family, and even when my family's here, we didn't do stuff together. And so it wasn't like, that's gonna happen. Well, let's go take the kids for ice cream and have it happen, it didn't happen. And so I couldn't take them anywhere. Wow, that's so hard. 
Um, well, we're, we're running. I have to let you all go back to teaching. <laughs> um, I could keep you here for another hour, but since we're, we're running to the end of the lunch hour, what do you guys, um, we'll kind of end it by, by maybe this. What do you guys wish people knew about um, blind parents or about parents with disabilities? That we're just human. We are human and we all have things we can and can't do, including them. They have things they can't do too. I don't know what they are, but they have things. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a really good point. Our thing is vis is visible. Theirs isn't. Right. You can see. You can see. You can see us. You can't see it in them until you get to know them. And I so I think in some ways it's not necessarily a blindness thing, but it's so it's it's really easy for everybody. I think um, to when you don't know people, it's easy to put them into one category and just oh there's a blind lady there whatever put them in a certain category without seeing the person and i think that's true with not just blindness but with just anything so i mean well, I, I just feel like myself included i i want to be more open to other people and not do the same thing not put them into a category well you know they're those guys over there they Oh, they probably all have a certain, you know, stereotype or something. But just that, I'm a person just like you are, and I have, my life is, has a lot of layers of things going on just like yours. My kids are, you know, this and that. I'm not, I'm no, I'm no, I'm not any better than you. I'm not any worse, you know, I'm not, we're all just, we're all just trying to, you know, live our lives and, um, so I just think in general, we really kind of try to look past labels that have been put on us. Yeah. And I feel thing. like they feel like you have, they have to take care of us, mm -hmm. not include us. I wish yeah, and I wish they would include us. <laughs> include is, is important. I wish people would be willing to think. We all want to put ourselves into other people's positions. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that with a disability. It's not fair because the human is resilient. And you learn things over time that you can't learn by thinking about it. You know, yeah. how in the world am I gonna cook dinner for my kids? I mean, I had somebody say, well, gosh, your husband comes home late. How do you ever eat? I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, I, I we starve. And I put food in and somehow it shows, right? Because I didn't go on a diet. But, <laughs> but the point that I'm making here is really that you can't imagine what it would be like to be you because you don't know. And if you can just allow yourself to think, well, it could be done a different way. Just because I do it this way doesn't mean it's the only way. Just yeah. because I match socks using my eyes doesn't mean that there isn't a possible another way to think about how to match a sock. Right. There's right. lots of other Absolutely. other ways. You might have to think about it and be really organized, but there are other ways to match socks that are very non-visual. Well, there's a saying, you don't know an Indian's life until you walk in his moccasins. Yeah, yeah but what if you were a size 2, Vicki? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both wear little shoes. Yeah, sure. And if you have a size 10 foot, you're you're not going to comprehend it. There's no way to comprehend it. Well, that's the whole point. That's, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's what I wish people would realize is that you, you never can't get put yourself in somebody else's position. You never get to know them until you walk in their shoes. 
and it's just like you never get to really know a person until you live with them. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Anna, do you have Anna's been Anna's been entertaining Ari <laughs> the whole time? Yeah. But do you have anything to add? Um, just along those lines, I think that um, speak up. <laughs> I think that you know, just give us that chance. You know, send your kids to our house and. When kids come to my house, they don't want to leave. You know, send, let me have a chance. And, then, uh, and the, you have one minute. And then I can show you. You know? Right, Sorry. right, absolutely. Well, we have one minute, so we'll end it. Thank you guys, everybody, so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. And we'll edit out a few of those annoying text messages. Hope <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you wanted. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Just to talk about what it's like being a mom. Thank you for joining us on Ability Stories. Please review this podcast in iTunes. To comment on this episode, please go to abilitystories.podbean.com. If you have any show ideas or would like to be a guest on Ability Stories, send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. And thanks for listening.